Hey guys, welcome to the Better Building Systems Podcast. I'm your host, Clayton Fair, and here with me today is Nick Taliska and Mark Sankey. In today's podcast, we will be discussing some potentially great ways to save time throughout the day and ultimately make you more productive. So to start off on this, I know Nick came across a pretty interesting article that gave five unthinkable ways to save time, as our podcast is named today. And we want to go through them with you guys. Some of them, I think we we very much disagree about. Some of them we may agree about. And then kind of add our thoughts about the best ways to save time to ultimately make you guys more productive if you tune in and kind of use these throughout your life. So hopefully you like it. Let us know your thoughts in the comments and uh, enjoy the podcast. So Nick, I don't know how we want to roll into this. If you want to just kind of go into the number one best way to save time from that article you found, and we can give our thoughts on it and go well, yeah, from there. I'm kind of surprised that you suggest there might be some disagreement on these things. I thought these were excellent <laughs> ideas, but we'll see where this goes. Uh, yeah. So number one in this article was uh, don't do some things. And it says, except that some things just won't get done. It's better to decide at the outset that a task won't get done. But if you have to break some commitments, well, hard cheese it is not so strangely liberating to simply decide I'm not going to do that. So that's the gist of it. Pretty much just say, hey, I've got these tasks that are rolling over from day to day, week to week. Just delete them. <laughs> I, and if they're important, they'll rise to the surface again. Yeah. I, I mean, I... That was pretty good. Yeah, I, I see. I see the you know the reasoning behind it. I guess. <laughs> Please go on with your example, though, because your example struck a chord with me. What was my example? Did I even start an example? The light bulb. The light. It's the light. Oh, oh, oh! From the notes I sent. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. You want me to read it okay. for you? I'll read it. Yeah, this is. Yeah, you go ahead. Okay. So further, Mister Taliska amplifies. Anyone can put something off for an hour, a day, or a month. I mean, not doing at all, ever. Resolve, for example, that you are not go- you are just not going to fix that light on the side of your house. Delete that activity from your schedule. Gone. You're free. Oh, I feel it. I feel <laughs> it. <laughs> no? <clears throat> uh, okay. Well, I mean, okay, so I'm in agreement. No, <laughs> so uh, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, uh, first of all, I'm gonna put this in economic context. All right. If you choose not to do something, anything, it means that it has a lower usefulness or utility of that activity over another. So to dismiss an act as never to be done implies that it has a utility of zero, no usefulness whatsoever. And further, due to the scarcity of time, another activity has a higher utility. This ignores that there is a potential that the utility of a specific action may change over time. Hmm. Right? That means your light may become necessary either because of an aesthetic, safety, or spousal request. <laughs> or you may just have nothing to do some sunny afternoon and become inspired. Or your neighbor will come and knock on your door and say, are you going to leave that light hanging off the side of your house forever? It looks like crap. I, it's it's unsafe. I mean, there's a lot that goes into that. Just that simple light example, I think. So from from your from what you're saying, I'll be a little uh, um, the devil's advocate. It sounds like Nick's Nick's thought is okay. Just don't worry about it until it's an issue. Clayton, I think you've experienced this firsthand, right? <laughs> 
probably. I mean, I don't think the author is saying just clear your schedule every day. Yeah. I mean, I'm reading in between the lines and saying things like, we can often get burdened down with this never-ending task list, right? Task list, and it rolls over from day to day, and you have all these different mechanisms to keep track of it in your calendar, your to-do list, and scraps of paper. But sometimes that can be just too overwhelming, and it's best to take you know a threshold look at that marginal utility value, let's say, and just say, I'm getting those out of my mind, and if they are important, they will resurface. See, Sometimes due to spousal request. I disagree completely with that, though. My life philosophy, and I try to follow it as much as I can, within reason, the, the, the second you see that light bulb, for example, change it. Because if you keep pushing it off, it adds to that list, that pile, right? And then that pile gets bigger and bigger, and then things start spilling off. And then, you know, it takes more time at the end to, to get back to where you were. So like anytime there's an issue, I just do it that day when I see it. Light bulb, oil change. Um, well, I don't know. I mean, uh, the list goes on. I just okay. that yeah. day, if I find time in that day or that week to do it, so it doesn't have to get pushed off. Well, that is uh, one way to live your life, Clayton, and you are free to do that. <laughs> I think, it, Nick, what you just said though flies in face of your. Uh, last item which is pretend you have a clone well you know, we, we can I, cover that okay i always overbook myself if you go over to my barn my shop whatever you want to call it there's a whiteboard that has one five and ten year projects on it <laughs> i don't look that far <laughs> not surprising because i know you uh well but i mean seriously somewhere yeah. and and you know the one years are almost all crossed off you know, half a dozen of the five years are crossed off. The 10 years are, uh, I better start crossing them off, I guess, because you, you just never know at my age when, you know, what, who, what can happen. So any um, age, my friend, any age, at any age. Right. So I, I think, you know, pretend you have a clone. Nick says, don't just pretend you do plan. Like you do, do like you do double book yourself in the calendar. Mm. You'll be surprised how many times you get both things done and you have more time to screw off. Yeah. I agree with that in spades. I never, ever finish my daily to-do list. If I did, it would mean either you didn't uh, I under-committed, enough. which is bad, or I'm dead, also not good. It's easy it. to pretend you have a clone when you wake up and have things to do, and you don't rest until the plan for the next day is prepared, right? I, I always write my stuff down the night before. So when I wake up and I have a cup of coffee and, you know, take a little bit of time, look at it and say, yeah, this is what I need to do first. Um, there's just less lost in the transition overnight. If it's captured when you still have the work in front of you, write it down. Oh, I agree. Nothing is more uh, debilitating, I think, than to not do that and then open up your calendar and look and go, wow, I've got a lot of items from last from yesterday. That I didn't even figure out how I'm going to get this done. Right. Okay, so I think we have agreement on the pretend you have a clone item. From yeah, the I was just gonna say, yeah. I mean, we and do. it is true. Like even little tasks, like you know, you, you plan two hours to be doing something, and maybe also wanted to listen to something or have something in the like, like a lot of what I do. There might be some processing time, right? A data is being, you know, transformed or whatever. So if I know I have other things on my other screen, I can start looking at. And that, in a, in a way, is kind of like you know the multitasking, if you will. 
but uh, more deliberate and purposeful. Oh, so I got a question for both of you then. Uh, regarding, so we've kind of moved off of point one, right? Don't do some things. And we that doesn't matter the order, I don't yeah, think. Yeah, yeah, so we, we've came to a consensus. So we moved on to pretend you have a clone. Does does that not, in a way, mm, kind of contradict the the don't over-promise and under-deliver philosophy? Uh, I don't think so, because I don't think when you pretend you have a clone, you're not necessarily making, you have to obviously be aware of the boundaries between yes. yeah. you think of yourself and how well, the commitments you made to others, certainly. Yeah, yeah so like to well. your, you, we're just saying to ourselves, I can overpromise to myself, and a lot of times I'll actually maybe do that and make re, meet meet my internal goals or deadlines and whatever. So it is, I, I guess, a bit different. Yeah, and I think what Mark was saying was so important about just having a plan, and you know, and it needs to be somewhat aggressive, at least for me, right, to push myself. And right. something I've observed recently, which I think is interesting. So I've been self-employed for 18 years, right? No boss, technically only accountable to my clients, right? Which I can manage. That's fine. But being accountable to yourself is a whole different thing, you know, because like Mark said, I can say, okay, this isn't going to get done today. Roll it over to the next day. But you do kind of have to be pushing yourself to, and it's a balance between just, you know, going a hundred miles per hour and being able to get things done with the quality that is needed, but also, you know, some sort of balance for your life. But I think it is a good thing to kind of think about if you had a phone, what would you be doing right now? Yeah. Well, I think that, you know, a part of this, maybe it's not necessarily relevant, but I always think of two ways to save time. Number one, parallel processing, anything. If I can, you know, let's, draw a simple analogy. Okay. What's for dinner? Uh, I'm going to start the crock pot when I wake up, not at, Oh shit, five o'clock. I better think of something for dinner or so something happens that I have no involvement in because I push the go button at some time earlier in the day. And it can mm -hmm. be as simple as I need a response from a vendor. So I don't wait till four o'clock to make that inquiry. I do it at five 30. And when they get in, there's a voicemail for them or an email for them. And they say, oh, this guy needs something because I put a red exclamation point next to it. So, you know, those parallel processes, if you look at your to-do list and say, this requires a response from somebody else, I can push the go button on that action first thing. So I'm not waiting for it later in the day. You know, that's, that's a big deal. And then the second thing I think really saves time and is not always obvious but is reuse existing work. And I'm not talking about cut and paste because cut and paste, you know, by definition is kind of weak and maybe even you could call it half-assed. And I've seen a lot of errors come from cut and paste. Mm -hmm. But if you have a project where, oh, I did a, uh, you know, DCV calculation before and it's relatively similar, I can reuse the same spreadsheet, the same parameters and modify it and be more what efficient i can get more done in less time so first step is to think through your library what do you have in your toolkit that you can reuse to be more efficient you know and i also say um to add on to that when you are doing something for the first time like you know say an excel spreadsheet for a specific calculation take the little bit of extra time to make it reusable Right. 
instead mm, of that's good. S- scratching that on a uh, piece of paper, right? You know how many times I've I've hand done a calculation for you know um, air velocity, air, air CFM. You know, I'm like, this is stupid. I'm just gonna my little spreadsheet, duct diameter, feet per minute, does it all the time. Then I don't have to do it. I was like, oh, okay. Right. How many times have I? How much time have I wasted in my life doing these the same calculations over and over by hand? <laughs> Take the extra five minutes and save the Excel file for it, and it saves tons of time down the road. You know. Very smart. So I try to look look towards the future in aspects like that. Like, am I going to use this again? If so, I better make it usable again. <laughs> So that's like the corollary corollary to Mark's number two, you know, reuse existing work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Summarize, what was number one again? For Mark? Yeah. Number one, parallel processing. Yeah. So, like I said, you need something from a vendor, a coworker, uh, whatever. Don't make your requests at the last minute. Make them first thing. Or if you can start a process, oh, I need to warm up the shop because it's going to be, you know, I need to do some work. Even if it's a Saturday morning, I'll go over with my cup of coffee in hand and turn the heat on before i want to be there at eight o'clock so i mean maybe that's oh, a yeah. bad example but no i think it's a great example yeah I so mean, what was the word before processing parallel. parallel parallel processing okay so there's things activities i mean the you know saturday morning why do i start my laundry first thing because okay i can push the go button on the washing machine and it's done in 15 minutes and then yeah push the put them in the dryer and the dryer's doing its job while i'm out you know, doing my thing and at the, you know, two o'clock, everything's done and ready to be folded and put away. Great examples. Yeah. As far as time goes, like I've always thought we never really find the time for something. You got to make the time. Oh, absolutely. I've got three ways to make time. One is to do something in less time than you thought, right. Or less time than you, it took you the last time, which kind of goes to number two from Mark and Clayton then my number two is have someone else do that thing for you. And then number three is don't do the thing at all, which goes <laughs> to the first one we talked about. Well, but I think there's some other great examples on here too, like start toilet reading. Oh, that's a, that one's interesting to me. I, I'd like to expand on that a little bit. Yeah. So Nick, do you, do you have the outline you want to read it or you want me to read it for you? I do. No. Yeah. I'll just, so this okay. will be the, the kind of the third item we'll be discussing. Okay. Uh, yeah, start toilet reading. Uh, the author says, I once thought this behavior was barbaric or reserved for men who could find no other escape from their dreadful families. Uh, then some personal information about constipation. Uh, and <laughs> I then, thought this was yours, actually, just so you know. I didn't know this came from this. an article. No, no, I, I didn't properly credit because I really didn't know if they would like to be credited. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so uh, with a stack of magazines, literature, and mail at my feet, I discovered an unknown opportunity for multitasking. I know I'm new to this game. I have an uncle who tells me that every book he's ever read, he's read on the throne. After several decades of poo-pooing such a habit, I'm a changed man and loving it. This one I do personally object to. Really? I think it's disgusting, to be honest with you. <laughs> well, when I go into somebody's I'm... bathroom and I see books, I know I will never borrow a book from this person. I know probably <laughs> when they hand me their phone saying, look at this video, I go, no, thanks. <laughs> that's just me. What do you guys think? Well, Mark likes that's a idea. personal um, sanitary action. But I do have a whole library. I have two libraries, in oh. fact. 
of engineering magazines, Guns and Ammo, American Hunter, Hemings Motor News, and sometimes the Cigar Aficionado. And I real I enjoy the read more than I enjoy the Charmin. I got to tell you. I, what, what's wrong with sitting on your couch, Mark, or on a chair? <laughs> it's time, though. What do you? I don't know. Maybe this is getting like very personal and biological, but I guess some people need a lot of time. I don't know. I don't like need a I lot of time, but I brush can read my about. Teeth, I know I'm brushing my teeth right then. It's, I don't have to sit there and stare at myself for 20 minutes before the feeling overtakes me. <laughs> no, it's, de it's definitely not 10 20 minutes, but if it's three minutes, um, it can do the job uh, and be done. That's, <laughs> it. That's all I'm saying. I think this is. Um, I took this to it. I took this to a deeper, a deeper meaning, though. Oh boy. Okay. No, no, no. Not like. And I think that the point is like there are points in your day where you are sitting for whatever reason that you could use to benefit to better yourself, right? If it's on the toilet or if it's on the couch or if it's you know wherever and i don't know i that's kind of how i took this one like don't play on your phone when you're sitting around read a book or look something up what what have i always wondered about google it man instead of sitting on facebook you know if that's on the toilet or if that's on your couch at the end of the day or what you know i don't know that's how i took that one too i think the reality is probably most people do something silly like scroll through i don't know news social media nothing about facebook yeah. All that stuff, but I do agree. I have books all over the place. I make lunch. I have a bowl of soup. I grab a book. I read it for five minutes, ten minutes, and it's great. Yeah, well, I agree with that. And then you come back to it, and yep. So there is some, I think, under underneath the scatological reference of this item. <laughs> I, I believe there there may be some some merit into it that you're probably wasting some time, like I said, and. Yeah, social media is a big part of that too, but whatever. That's kind of how that one went to me. Although I must say, I, I've done some of my best research um, while using the facilities. So, huh. yeah. So, can we just boil this down to say I'd stop like to. wasting time on um, um, yeah. activities with zero return and learn something? Yes. Completely agree. So right, I would just say not never start read to... on the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> Don't do it on the toilet, though. <laughs> Okay. So Nick says. But read more. Yeah. It's just, how about we can strike toilet and just say start reading. Yeah, I think that would fit too. Oh, Absolutely. that's good. That's yeah. nice. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I say we edit this whole article and then try to get it back to the author and say. Say this is really how you save time. Yeah. Exactly. Maybe they'll listen to the podcast. But anyways, okay. We got another item? Yeah. Yeah, so the, the next item... I'll I'll read this one for you guys, and um, this made me this made me laugh in a bad way, I guess, kind of. But I'll go into it. So, stop being courteous. Being kind is cool and all that, but it costs time. Do you know how much time I spend being nice? I once spent a quarter hour in the grocery store helping a lady in a wheelchair select and reach a dozen yogurts to satisfy her coupon. Sure, she was grateful, and I felt good about myself for a second. But well, that was four years ago, and I still remember those 15 minutes. Gone forever, never again. There's a lot of truth there. Yeah, but, uh, okay, I stridently, adamantly disagree. Yeah, I agree. I agree with you. Hmm. I have four reasons this is totally incorrect. Hmm. My pen is first, ready. First, it's biblical. Right? Yeah. We're directed not 
to be that guy who doesn't help someone else, right? Second, it has a positive impact on the people you're courteous to. How many times have you opened a door for someone, helped them put groceries in their car that it hasn't garnered a thank you or I really appreciate it? Third, it has a positive impact on you. When you bring a smile to someone else, it inevitably brings a smile to you, right? You do something good, somebody says thank you, the endorphins kick in, everybody's happy. And mm -hmm. fourth, and probably the most important, it's absolutely essential that we are role models for young people or we will raise a generation of boors. Mm. Wow. One in four really hit me, to be honest with you. Role models, yeah. I can't, I can't disagree with you, Mark. Uh, no, I'm a big proponent of obviously being generous with your time and your emotions and all the resources you have, frankly. Uh, yeah. you know, I, I can't imagine not helping that poor woman with her yogurt, to be honest with you. I would have. <laughs> <laughs> and I would have been happy to do it. Right. Exactly. Uh, I, I, I agree. Uh, so what is possibly the, what are they trying to say here? Is there anything we can turn this around and turn it into? Well, start being courteous. Yeah. You, you want to know what? Yeah. I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you an example. Okay. okay so it, or it's not one specific example. You know, in my life, I'm, I'm a very um, hands-on, I do do it myself kind of person for all, everything. If it comes to your car, your house, whatever, you know, like, like probably all of us are on this podcast and same with a lot of our listeners. And, um, a lot of those tasks, if it was to take me myself to do it, maybe it would take six hours, right? With two people, it takes two hours. So, um, I have a lot of great friends that, that, help me out with a lot of these things that, Hey, you know, and next weekend I'm going to be doing this love a hand. Right mm -hmm. now they take time out of their day to help me, but it makes it exponentially increases the, you know, how fast I can get the job done. So it's a two way street though. So there's going to be a time in the future that they'll need me for their six or eight hour job, what I can make it a, a two or three hour job, you know? So I don't know what I'm trying to get. And I know it's not, this is not specific to a lady in a wheelchair at a grocery store. Cause she'll never, she may never be able to help you, you know, save time in your day next. But I don't know if you think, if you start thinking about things and helping people, like it can always come back and help you. I don't know. If that can always come back and help you. That. That's also biblical. Yeah, exactly. So that's, that's how I am. I mean, I, I am so grateful for a lot of, uh, great people in my life that helped me out with things. Cause some, some days I'm like, I would have never gotten that. Done. It would have take all weekend for me and we got it done in one day or six hours or something. And then it well, gives, I don't know, you know? And like Mark said, they get something out of it too. It's not just people. And I've done these things too, but I don't help somebody move and think, Hey, I may have to move in the future. He's strong. He can help me. But it is that, I mean, just, I think we all disagree with this piece of advice. About yeah. Stuff courteous and i think if anything we're all like okay courtesy is probably you know the best social lubrication just to make things work right be kind if, if you if you can't spare that 15 minutes to help that uh lady in a wheelchair you got to be better at doing the other four items that we've talked about oh great point what is making that person so hurried and rushed yeah you're messing up you're doing something completely wrong i yeah. think 
I'm going to get my 48 pack of pierogies and I'm out of here. Good luck with your yogurt, but I got, I got stuff to do. Okay. So full disagreement with that one. Horrible. Complete disagreement. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, that one was easy. I guess we don't have to keep going on that one. And I guess the last item, I don't know who wants to read this one, but it's a little, well, I guess I don't know. It's not contradictory. It it agrees with a lot of the stuff we probably say too, but I made it about going fast. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So, uh, quote, of course, this makes sense if you think about it, but it is not only driving fast, walking fast, and talking fast that is important. Thinking fast is crucial as well, especially at the juncture of what is being finished and what is to be done next. Always be thinking, what next? Don't hang out too long in the gap. Ooh. Agreed completely. I don't know about the, the driving, walking, and talking. Fast. No, no, no. It, yeah, the second half of this, I completely agree with. You know, it kind of takes me back. I used to, when I was a kid, I raced, uh, you know, off-road motorcycles. These hair scrambles, they were called. They're kind of like you go through the woods and the snow and maybe come back out on a part of a regularized, you know, motorcycle oval track and then back into the woods, cross creeks and all that. But, you know, there's a lot of ruts and everything, right? Not really defined. So you're going through trees, you're going through like mud bogs and all that stuff. And I was always, I'd look right over my fender, right? My front wheel to navigate these ruts. My father also raced too. And he told me, the farther ahead you look, the faster you go, right? And it took a lot of courage to even trust that advice, right? Because you're worried about the rock in front of you or the rut, right? Tons of ruts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, But by golly, it was kind of true. I mean, you look out even 15 feet ahead of your front wheel, and it's like the stuff right in front of you it doesn't even matter because that's where I'm going. Yep. And it, and well, it was it, amazing advice. I don't. I don't think it really won any that races. Point, but at that point, your dad had enough experience that he was driving, or he had driven by the experience of feeling the course through the handlebars. So you know that. Oh, I. I mean, that's what it really is. Is you you trust yourself enough to go faster and look further ahead. That's a big, I mean, that's probably the, the, the major part of that is trusting yourself, you know, right. and how you interact with your machine, obviously. But yeah, no, and you're right. That, that came from probably many races where he got so bogged down. He, you literally have to roll your bike over sideways to just get out of the way for other people. And then you sit there right. the races over. <laughs> so, so this kind of fits into like anything, right? If you, if you, if you're not looking towards the end or the, the goal, you can get lost in, the little problems if you would call them that right that come up on the path i would say even beyond the goal of that thing you're trying to finish but what is next yeah oh yeah definitely definitely that kind of ties in with what mark's talking about with planning and everything you really i mean i lose a lot of time if i don't do that like if i have a major thing to do i don't know if it's going to take me two hours it might take me six hours but if there's nothing on the back end of that to push me It'll probably take me that six hours sometimes, you know, yeah. I'm not really kind of thinking, okay, I got, I got other things I got to get onto too, but, you know, focus on this a hundred percent, but know that there's other stuff to be done. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I think too, you know, we, uh, I, I do a better job of prioritizing before the brush fire is at, you know, knocking on the door. So if you know that it's really only a brush fire and it's not a, you know, a fire that will um, 
you know, reduce your house to, to ashes, probably a bad analogy, but if it's really a minimal problem, but, uh, you know, just the person on the other end of the phone is, you know, to them, it's a life or death crisis. Sometimes you just say, I'm going to let this burn out. It, you know, I, number one, I can't offer any assistance. Number two, um, you know, we didn't light the fire. I didn't light the fire. And number three, you know, the fact that, uh, X, Y, Z is happening. The short-term impact is zero. Long-term impact is minimal. And, you know, just because you're ringing the alarm bell or, you know, it's a five alarm fire, it's really not, you have to, you know, be able to make that calculation and either deliver that message or, um, you know, in some other way, change the calculus of, Hey, it's not that big a deal. Just because the alarm went off, it's, you know, the filter's dirty. It will be okay for another 72 hours. Yeah. Uh, it's like it's, an honest appraisal of the situation. Right, right. Well, I and thought I that also, was going to go a complete different way. Where did you think it was going to go? I thought you were going to be like, um, you know, about planning ahead and going fast and saying, if we don't, I know what's going to happen. It's going to be a brush fire, you know. Oh, that's a different story. You, there are plenty of situations. You know what I mean? It looks like, uh, hey, this is just a, it's a little tiny noise. It's not a big deal. But you know that hey, this is a bearing going bad in a yeah. you know, hundred horsepower motor, and uh, that's the you know the death rattle basically. Yeah, yeah, that's that's where I thought you when you started that whole no. dissertation. I thought that's where you were headed with it. Like, go fast, think of the future. Like, if I don't address this, what's it going to turn into? And this is why I got to a do these things expedited or whatever, and then well, plan for the future point, for right. it. So <laughs> yeah, good point. Two so sides I, I, of the same coin, though, really. It is. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah definitely. That's what it is. Yep. So I think there's there's also, I had one more analogy to draw. You know, there's a difference between, and I drive fast. I freely admit it. I When, when the road is clear and the weather's good, I set the cruise control above the speed limit. But there's a difference between driving fast and driving recklessly, all right? Weaving in and out of traffic, cutting people off, driving and texting have way different risk profiles than setting the cruise control mm-hmm. a little high on an open highway and operating unimpaired at a speed both the vehicle and the highway were designed for. So thinking fast in terms of lucidity and rapidity is good, but a knee-jerk response, which would be mandated if you're driving recklessly and cutting yeah. in and out of traffic, may have unintended consequences of compounding the problem either by encounter with law enforcement or another driver uh, or another vehicle. So going fast versus being reckless are two different things. What you just said, Mark, maybe my favorite part of this episode. (laughs) That was a great, great example. Yeah, it was. Well, I mean, reaction, like you get into a situation where your next move might be catastrophic so don't get in that right. position where you're don't gonna have get to make that. a knee-jerk reaction right yeah and then and then walking all of that back takes a lot of time so you save oh. zero time you negative time mm. because you had a knee-jerk reaction to, to it try to save time and i like the vehicle analogy you know it's it's the same it's that person that's weaving in and out of traffic and you end up at the same red light i love that <laughs> love it that's i love true. pulling up behind those people <laughs> hi again but that's you know, going into that whole analogy, that's kind of how I see things too. Is you, 
sometimes you're spinning your wheels and you're, you're responding dangerously. And if it's driving's an easy analogy, weaving in and out of traffic or texting, man, more often than not, you both end up at the same red light somewhere down the road. And who got there safer or more calculated or whatever, you know, who didn't get in an accident? I don't know. Fuel. Yeah, I mean. More efficiently. So right? I, I, I equate that to a lot of things in life. And if it's in a, you know, professional aspect or a personal aspect. You're right. You got to go fast, but you you can't be stupid about it. So much comes down to the automobile, doesn't it? It's a perfect analogy. Yeah. Well, time is a tricky thing, you know. I mean, that's what this whole thing was about, how to save time, how to make time, however you want to think of it. But the reality is time is a carnivore, and we are its food. It, it, well, that's pretty profound. Another way that, I mean, for me, I save time or have saved time and continue to like, enjoy saving time is ride with somebody else. Oh, yeah. Oh, are we know? talking literally or is this a figurative statement? Figurative. Literally. Literally. Okay. Oh, okay. I was, I was yeah. taking somebody it else way. Is, You're talking no, carpooling? Some, no, I mean, I'm not a fan of carpooling, getting in the car with strangers, but if there's a common destination and I can share a ride over two, four, six, eight hours even, uh, and I can do work or somebody can do work while I'm on the road, that's a big time saver. Absolutely. I, I kind of oh, take that right? back to my analogy of, you know, um, well, it's not the same analogy, but sometimes two people make things exponentially yeah. more productive. Well, that's biblical uh, too. Many hands makes light work. Sure, yeah, it is. Right. It's very true. I agree with that. So I'll give, I'll, I don't know if we're nearing the end of this episode, if we're going to wrap it up or not, but you know, just keep constantly going back to the automotive analogy. Um, and Mark's, you know, do more work. You know what I'm excited for to save time? You guys are going to love this. Self-driving Electric cars. Electric vehicles. Oh, self-driving. self I cannot wait. Can't wait. Okay. So you know how much happens, time is wasted during the day driving? Oh, I can't wait for the extra two and a half, three hours of my life every day to be productive. Oh, it'll be amazing. <laughs> I've thought about that too before, especially like long trips. I don't think about like commuting or anything necessarily, but. Even your daily commute. I mean, how much time, maybe if you're working from home, you don't spend any time, but you know, your standard go to your nine to five job or whatever, they're in the car an hour a day, hour and a half. Yeah, it can be significant. I can't wait for that. Yeah, I I don't know. I get mixed feelings. I don't know how much, how productive I would be like working on my computer or something. Yeah. uh, Driving. I have to ask. I mean, let's. Hypothetically, I get a self-driving car. Can you tell it, hey, set the cruise for seventy-eight miles an hour? Oh, I don't. I, you know, never, never self-driven one like that. But I would imagine. Well, we'll have to ask some folks that. Yeah. Do that because I know some people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I'm. I, I just don't know. That's a curious, uh, interesting question, though. And, and so, would, you know, in that context, um, are we getting to the point where somewhere down the road in Clayton's lifetime, maybe, um, you know, NASCAR will be no more because we'll have a competing box, a competing set of robots? Well, that is true, Mark, that we're probably the last generation that has to think for themselves. But uh, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> 
I hope that's not true. Oh, okay. So, do we want to wrap this podcast up about the the five best ways to save time? Um, what do yeah, do we want to leave our? Yeah, do we want to leave our listeners with our five? best ways to save time i know we covered a lot of different ways and we agreed with some of these and we disagreed with some of these or is that too much is there too much to summarize in five new best ways to save time <laughs> i mean i would just say if some or all of these suggestions we read make zero sense to you then do the exact opposite <laughs> uh, <laughs> do things never read on the toilet always be courteous <laughs> Uh, take your time and do it right. Yeah. And uh, be realistic. Yeah. You don't have a clone. This is true. Well, I, I think another big one that plays into that is look ahead so that you can parallel process. I need X, Y, and Z from my accountant, my attorney, my whoever. And I know that typically they're slow to respond. So start the ball rolling with them way in advance. So that's a parallel process. So if I need something from uh, somebody else and I need it in a week, don't wait until you're six days in to make the call. Start, oh, yeah. you know, so that hopefully that there there can be some parallel processing going on. You know, and I took um, one one last thing, I guess. I took one one of the notes you made, Mark. You know about um, making a list and in your your five your you know week month, year, 10 year, five year plans like that. Right. And writing that stuff down, you know, I kind of, I don't necessarily write it down, but on a philosophical or a physical, I don't know, philosophical basis, I do that. And, um, it helps. I I think this is probably a little cliche because people say this all the time, but it helps a lot of things come to fruition. Doesn't it? Like if you say, "I, I need this in five years, this is my plan for five years. And you know, seems like a lot of times you get to five years and you're like, wow, that that's done. That happened. That all worked out. It's because you thought of it five years ago and you kept reminding yourself, this is the track I'm on, you know, totally. and that can be for your week or your month or your year or your five years or your 10 years. Um, so I think planning is plays a big part in that too. Your, your mind is your single greatest asset. Yeah. And, and using it like that, Clayton is, I mean, there's so much that we don't even understand about even the power of positive thinking, you know, that oh, yeah. cliche. Yeah. I got a buddy that always says, speak it into existence. Yeah. And you know what? He's right. He is right. He He's is absolutely correct. He is absolutely right. And so my reason for writing it down is, I don't know, I read many years ago that if you think it, there's a, you know, some small probability it'll get done. If you say it, the probability goes up. But if you write it down, it goes up to like 75% as your probability of success. So you write it down and you put it somewhere where you see it every day. The the act of making it physically written and seeing it every day, the probability goes way up. So that's why I started doing it. Kind maybe of ma- it's wrong, maybe it's right. No, I think it materializes it. I think so, so it's, you and I need to do that. Like the whiteboard idea. That's pretty good. Oh, I do. Yeah, I agree. Like I, I mentally do it. You know, I'm like, man, this is my, in two years, this is where I want to be. Or this is what I got to get done. Five years, whatever. But writing it down, I, you're right. Very different. Seeing that every day. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's like those other habits we talk about, right? Exercising, mm-hmm. whatever else you do, you know, but yeah, it's not there. You know, I can miss a day of doing something that's usually very important and I know is important for me to do, but 
if it's not on my schedule, I can miss it. Yeah. So. Yep. Wow. <laughs> what an episode this was. <laughs> I think this is a great episode. And I hope for our listeners, you know, we, we, we've we been trying to make podcast episodes that can reach a more a broader audience, not really specific to buildings and facilities and HVAC and such. I mean, this is at, at a personal basis and at a professional basis. I think all of these items that we discuss can fit into. So I hope our listeners really enjoyed the conversation as well and agree or disagree. And, you know, if you guys have more points to add into it, feel free to reach out to us. So with that, guys, I guess we'll wrap this podcast up. Thank you, uh, Nick and Mark, for your insight. I think this was, like I said, a great episode. And uh, I hope our listeners feel the same way. Thank you.